0: Well, hello everybody and welcome to episode number 63 of the Rewatch Project with Hannah and Mike where we are covering the 13th episode of season 3 of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Namely the episode Parting Shot. How the heck are you today, Hannah?
1: Um, I'm okay. Um, health update, 101. Uh, I've had a needle in my spine this week. Uh, intentionally? But, uh, intentionally. With
0: your luck. I think we probably need to clarify that, don't yeah,
1: we? Yeah. Sarah Starrs would definitely not recommend Um but yeah, we're crossing crossing our fingers that it has the desired
0: result. Crossing our fingers whilst we we'll still have the ability to do so. Indeed. So, uh, but uh, but I would say that you're a little little better. A little better, yeah. Um, but I'm hoping Just to get a lot, lot better. Yes, that's the plan. Um, but, uh, but yes, so we are back and we're going to be continuing our way uh, through. We are over halfway through season three of Marvel's Agents of Maybe. S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, and um, Hannah, tell us a little bit about this episode. Uh, give us a synopsis and detail of the tape, if okay. you would. Be so, good.
1: so this episode 13 was <laughs> aired on the 22nd of March, 2016, called Parting Shot, um synopsis says after tracking malik to russia bobby and hunter become involved in an assassination plot the team has changed forever as they race to save lives in the balance exciting it is directed by michael zinberg uh who i don't think we've seen to date um and written by paul ziberski and dj doyle
0: hey dj and ski that's, <laughs> that's how they roll uh cool okay well um we will get to that in but a moment just a quick little bit of housekeeping um just a reminder that we always appreciate reviews over at apple podcasts a formerly known uh itunes podcasts um that would be grand also um just go another reminder to go and check out the other shows over at we are pods you can find podcasts such as my other show uh gene Stryker versus spencer um but also um Apologies, by the way, if there are any listeners to Roker vs. Spencer. uh, Just in general. (laughs) No. um, Because we uh, have not recorded for a few weeks for various reasons that have conspired. Hopefully we'll have a new episode out um, this coming weekend or soon thereafter. Uh, Also, you can find the Iron sequel, his film, her movie, Entertainment Landfill, and Film Bastards. Um, So, And also, we... Are uh, on social media, namely Instagram and Twitter, where we are um, in both cases at rewatchproj. And if you listen to us on YouTube, then comments, uh, likes, subscribes, all of that good stuff would be appreciated. And emails, of course, we love, and we have several apparently, which we'll get to in a moment. Um, you can be sent to us either um, in typed form, um, in lithographic form. Or they can be sent as uh, MP3s or voicemails or voice memos or whatever floats your boat. But all of those things can be done to rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail.com. That's probably the best way to reach us if you want your content to be on the show. Hello, what have people been saying?
1: So uh, first off of all, we've got a couple of YouTube comments that yeah. I'd like to read. So the first one is from Silver Surfer. Uh, so this is on uh, the last episode the Inside Man uh, right so he says had a blast listening to you both like usual and hearing fellow fan Jason talk about yes. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was a delight as well motivating me to write you both another email and eventually leave you a voicemail Do it. I'm an old caveman dork and technology takes me a bit I'll be writing a lot for season 4 since this is my favourite season like I'm Agent Jason to- Sending you both good cosmic energy as always, and we'll chat with you soon.
0: Cosmic energy from Silver Surfer. I like it.
1: I really wanted to read that one because I wanted Jason to hear that other people are enjoying his voicemail. Yes. So send another one.
0: Send another one. Do your own content. Just, Indeed. You know, make Keep stuff. It put it out in the world. It's all good. People it's are generally all good. nice.
1: We need to hear your voice. Yes. Okay. The other comment is from Jack Dubs, um, who says... And I I really like this point. This is in relation to me saying um, in the last episode how Gideon Malik looked um, really fed up to have a boss. Um, oh, yes, in. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so he says, I wouldn't say that Gideon Malik is annoyed that he has a newfound boss. Instead, yeah, hello. Fuck you. Hey, I, I'm all for <laughs> I'm it. Joking. I, I love I'm joking. looking at a different way. Yeah, and that's... actually, what he has to say, I think, is bang on the money. <laughs> Um, Instead, I would say that he is irked at seeing the being he has brought, has been brought up to worship as a god, be so weak, vulnerable and ineffectual, just sitting around and eating and watching TV. Must be a bit of a letdown for him. Mm -hmm. As for the Daisy Lincoln of it all, since she is the one who released the pterogen into the ecosystem, drastically altering the lives of innocent people, I do wonder if there is an element of guilt colouring her point of view. Whereas Lincoln is approaching the situation from Jiang's side, best to limit the numbers of humans in existence and make sure that only the right people,
0: the ones with proper training and mindset, get powers. It almost feels like it's a microcosm for gun control. Yeah. You know, I mean, the idea that, um, do you just ban them outright, which you could argue is impeding people's right to choose, um, or do you... Um, educate and license and restrict and do all of these kind of things. So I think there's a little bit of a parallel there as well, but that's a great point. Um, and I think also, I mean, I think in regards to the Malik thing, I think I think both of those things can be true. Yeah. I don't think they're necessarily mutually exclusive. Um, but,
1: but I do, I, I can see that it is probably that he's like, would you fucking come on and be this invincible shit-kicking
0: yes, yeah. God yeah, you know, he's opened well. the Ark of the Covenant and he hasn't quite got the uh, you know yeah. he's, he's, it's not
1: quite at full power yeah
0: exactly exactly. Mm. Uh, no, no, great points keep them coming
1: right so the next uh, email I've got is from Frank um, says hey Mike and Hannah Frank from Dublin here again Dublin that's right after hearing the last episode I definitely need to get off my ass and send a voicemail I appreciate the irony of saying that in a written email <laughs> by the way Really enjoyed your last episode, and I'm finding them really useful in helping me explain why I like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. so much. You both articulate the appeal of the show really well, so I'm going to steal that. Do it. Glad that Hannah is going to give Lower Decks a watch. It is a really fun show, and I think you will really enjoy it once you get into the swing of the characters and the stories. Maybe a one-off rewatch project on the show, or at least a <laughs> recap on your thoughts once you've seen it. Keep up the good work, guys, and speak soon. Frank.
0: You know what that reminds me of? The, um, the irony of it is the bit where um, the episode of The Simpsons where sideshow has had enough of television and how dumbing down it is, so he decides to cut off all the TV, and he appears on this giant screen, um, to tell everyone about his fiendish plan and he finishes and then he appears back again he's like, and yes, I am aware of the irony of using the medium of television in order to decry it <laughs> and then vanishes from it. So that's, um, uh, that reminds me of it.
1: You'll be pleased to know that I have started watching Lower Decks.
0: Yeah, you've watched like the first five or six, I think, haven't you?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm going to reserve any comments I have until I've finished... The season. Th- well, I'm going to watch both seasons, oh, okay. I think um but i i like the idea of doing maybe a little recap on it
0: yeah Um, yeah just an overall kind of thing yeah Yeah, that's that's a good idea really
1: good right next email is from erica Mm. Um, is erica a first time no she uh erica's our friend who
0: called you mark
1: from Barcelona.
0: Yes, but from America, but lives in Spain. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. All right, all right, all right, all right.
1: I think, if I remember rightly, she's originally from Boston.
0: Okay. I could be wrong.
1: Um, We've right. been
0: watching a lot of Fringe recently, so maybe that's yeah, just... Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I could have completely just uprooted you. Yeah. you know, Either yeah. way, definitely Spain. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm sure of that.
1: <laughs> okay, here we go. Good evening from Spain. As a Lord of the Rings fan, I assume you two are two, being into sci-fi and the like... I was wondering how present it is in New Zealand. Is it a big deal and part of the culture? In the rest of the world, New Zealand is so associated with those films. I was wondering how that manifests itself there. And does New Zealand really look like Middle Earth? Apologies for the random question. It is something I have always wondered, Erica.
0: Because, well, of course, we are in New Zealand.
1: We are in Hannah New is from
0: New Zealand. I, I have am. lived here for seven years, nearly. Um, right. yeah. So, uh, Hannah, I think you're probably more qualified to answer well, this question. Well, I
1: think, I think we're probably qualified in different ways. Like, um, I I can definitely say that uh, yes, New Zealand does look like Middle Earth.
0: You were li- were you you were living in were you living in the
1: UK when the first one came out? Yes, yeah. Um, I moved to the UK in 2000.
0: Oh, so like the year before it came out, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, I think the first one was 2001, wasn't it? I think it? so, yeah. yeah. Um, yes, New Zealand does look like that. Yeah. Um, it it a, a lot of the, I think that's one thing a lot of Kiwis are really proud of, is um, there's not a lot of messing around that they've had to do to images to... Well- to make the landscape look so grandiose. I mean,
0: also, it's, I mean, New Zealand is—it's a little bit like um, Canada, in the sense that there's lots of different locale types yeah. in New Zealand, uh, and I think that's useful.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can go from snow to
0: sun. Yeah, I mean, there's the snowy easily. Alps, but there's uh, metropolitan and areas where and,
1: Mike and I specifically live. Um, we are about. Forty minutes away from the filming location of Rivendell.
0: Yeah, yeah. We used to be even closer, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. But um, um
1: well, only by about. Uh, I few mean, minutes, and also, but... I mean,
0: Wellington itself. I mean, we we look out of our window and we can see Wellington. We can see the harbour. Yeah. And that's of course where um you know the studios are. But also, you know, if you go into central Wellington, it's a city. But you walk a couple of hundred meters this way, and you're in wooded areas like the the um. Does well, Mount, mount um, um,
1: Victoria is where they filmed... Um,
0: the Black Riders trying to catch... Yeah, um, you yeah. Know, when, the when the hobbits
1: are hiding in the fellowship at, um, in the very beginning, sort of underneath that yeah. like, tree roots and stuff. I mean, that's
0: a somewhere that people go for a stroll at the weekend. Yeah, yeah. It's just
1: a public and area. And it's
0: right in the middle of the city, you know. It, it, it's, it, yeah, it's, it is. Uh,
1: um uh, when Mike and I got married, we got married in the UK and then we had our honeymoon in New Zealand and one of the things we did on honeymoon was go to Hobbiton. Mm. Um, so, you know, we are big Lord of the Rings. And Hobbiton's
0: incredible because we went there and the thing that struck me, and I'm saying this as a, a brick. I mean, Mike ran the,
1: around like the most just excited. Well, it's not
0: round. that. It, it was just so New Zealand because if this was in America or the UK, there'd have been loads of rules, whereas this was basically, they just chuck you in like a, Little knackered bus, drive really old bus, and they just wave you off and go help yourselves. There's no like velvet ropes or anything like that. You know, you get to explore just, you properly. Just go in mm. And but the thing that amazed me about Hobbiton was that it was set up exactly how it is in the films. It's not like right. If you look over there, this should be there. It is like you know you. If if you in the film you see um Bilbo walk out of his house and he looks off and then you see his point of view looking down the hill. And that's what you see. That's the point of view. You yeah, know, you walk yeah. down, you've got the bridge, and then you've got the pu- you've got the pub, you've got the um, the water tower. But the other interesting perspective here, I guess, I can bring is, I grew up in Birmingham in England, which is where J.R. Tolkien grew up, and where a lot of the areas in the books were based on. So mm-hmm. I've kind of I've, I grew up in the area specifically Seahole Mill. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I grew up in the area where um, that he based the books on, and then now live in the area where they've. Uh, they filmed it and never was that clearer than there's a place as Alan mentioned near where i live called Serhorn mill which is where uh tolkien used to play as a boy and there's a water mill there and um when we went to hobbiton in new zealand i went and i was like god that looks familiar and what they've done is they've got somebody in england to go to Serhorn mill with a digital scanner Mm. and they scanned the mill and then sent the data you know over the internet um and, and, they, and, and they recreated it there. So mm. it was just so funny to be in New Zealand in, in Hobbiton and walking along and seeing this thing that I used to go to look at on school trips when I was a kid mm. th- that was in Hall Green yeah. <laughs> in, in Birmingham. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So it, there is that. But I think as far as the cultural element goes, I think that um, it is a big part of it. I think New Zealand's chuffed, basically, is oh, a good way of... Oh, like like everybody knows people who worked on the films. Ridiculously
1: and, proud of... Um, The country pulling it off, I think, more Mm. than anything, because you know it's a big deal to have such a a, a, like resoundingly successful um, block of films come out of a country that's very small.
0: And it was the fact that the key creatives were Kiwis as well. It wasn't just that it was produced here; it was the fact that there's. I think the thing that I can see the most, one of the biggest legacies of it, aside from tourism and things like that, is that people forget. in a similar to the original star wars what an entrepreneurial pursuit those films were Mm. the fact that when they started they had like a couple of macs yeah and by the end of the production of the last one they had a studio yeah you know so there was this fact that they built a an industry around those films the
1: absolute um passion that went into it like Mike and I have done a, a tour of wet Workshop, like mm. a behind-the-scenes thing, and hearing them talk about, you know, the problem-solving for coming up with um, things to make the chain mail out yeah. of that would look like chainmail, but obviously not weigh the actors down yeah. ridiculously, you know, and just the attention to detail, like stuff that was never going to be picked up on mm. camera, but they've included the detail to make it authentic. Um, even down to things like um, when we did the Hobbiton tour, um, um, the the guy that was kind of leading our group um, was telling us about how people were employed to um, walk backwards and forwards to the washing lines at each of the Hobbit holes mm. every day, a couple of times a day to hang out washing and bring washing And, of course, in. they
0: built it all. Yeah. And then they left it for a year.
1: Yeah. So to stuff grow. could grow. Yeah, and that's why they had people walking to them from washing lines because they wanted a path to be yeah, worn in yeah. the grass so organic, it looked like people you know. have lived there yeah. for a long time. Like, you know, it, and um, like Mike said, there's no velvet ropes or anything. You were able to go up and touch everything. Well, we've got
0: pictures of us, like, looking out the doors of Hobbit Holes, yeah. aren't we? we just got it. But,
1: like... um you were able to um, like feel across the fences where they had painstakingly like made um, yogurt. Like, fake, like used yogurt fake moss and yeah. stuff on the on the fences. It's just incredible. Yeah,
0: yeah, And and I mean the, the thing is, I mean now, I mean God knows what it must have been like at the time, but now over twenty years later, it's still a big part of the cultural identity i mean it's 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 the only thing really i think in many ways apart from you know like uh, maori culture and things like that i think it's the only thing really that comes close to rugby mm. as being yeah. a big part of the the uh, the national identity and you know but uh, but yeah yeah i mean it, it, it is really interesting but anyway sorry i could um, talk about this all day yeah, so yeah
1: oh, just one other thing like when i say about us being close to rivendell um uh there's part of the film set that's still at the regional park. Mm. Um, and this is a place like the regional park is a place where you can camp for free yeah, um, or for a very small amount of money. I think it might be like $10 yeah. a night or something ridiculous. Um, it's like a, a national, uh, national trust
0: for it's, British it's listeners. A it's, region, like, it's, it's a
1: regional yeah. park. It's, yeah. Anyway. Um, but when I say park, it's like it's got waterfalls and rivers and hiking trails and, Bridges and all kinds of things. Yeah. Um, and to reserve They they've basically preserved a portion where Rivendell was filmed, and they have the arch that they leave through. Uh, they leave through Rivendell, um, and you can, you know, go and walk all through it. And and we went the first time we went to see it. Our daughter was uh, gosh, she would have only been about six months old yeah, the first she was time we tiny. went, and. We go there all the time. Like yeah. both of our kids play. We've hide got, and we've, seek got, we've got, we've got like sort of photos. We've
0: got loads of photographs of us standing under the arch, and you can almost it's almost like a time lapse thing, isn't yeah, it? You absolutely. can see you can see our family growing. And I as, mean, uh,
1: my birthday, not this year, but last year, um, we had a picnic at the regional park that, at, like, at Rivendell. Mm. Um, it's um, a place called Kaitoki Regional Park, and yeah. it, it's awesome. And the river that um, the Hutt valley where we live. Um, the river that runs through the Hutt Valley um, is is the river that um, Aragorn um, washes gets up pick, on. Picked up by his horse yeah. and taken back.
0: The thing that's funny though is that you've got. I mean, basically, with Lord of the Rings, you've got the greeneries, the green settings, the stony sort of deserty settings, and the snow settings. And, well, and most of the snow settings are South Island, mm. and most of the um, green or. Deserty areas are are north, but the thing that amazes me is so many of the shots in Lord of the Rings. They obviously just thought, okay, well, what can we get while we're in Wellington? Because Wellington's where they did a lot of obviously the green screen of the studio stuff. Yeah. So, for example, the bit, the scene where Um Isengard in the Fellowship of the Ring, where before Um uh, Saruman has revealed uh, that he's evil, and him and Gandalf are just walking through the green pastures. Yeah. Um, that's a an area called Upper Hutt nearby, and it's literally just this really small little patch of grass in the middle of this sort of town. Um, and if you're standing in it and you look either way, you can see roads, you can see cars, but they obviously just got them to walk through along that bit of lawn and shot them and just lock down the shot. So, but literally, if you'd have moved the camera like five degrees either direction, you'd have seen urban. Yeah. Areas, and that's the thing that blows my mind is that you see that on the film and you think, What a wonderful pastoral environment! You go there, and it's just a bit of grass in the middle of, <laughs> of, of upper huts, you know.
1: It, it makes me laugh that um, all of the shitty things were filmed where we are, too, like Helm's Deep, as in, like,
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a quarry, isn't it? Yeah, you know, yeah it's, it's, not a like it's not like that's, we live in the quarry, no, you no. know.
1: Um, what you were saying about, um, you know, the shot having to be tight that was one of the things they said about hobbiton is um, the the reason that particular location and like cuz it's a working farm it's not it's not abandoned land yeah. it is a working farm but the reason it was chosen is because there are no visible Power lines yeah. overhead, well, anywhere, also, like in a in a direct circle. They said it's
0: one of the only parts of New Zealand that looks like pastoral England. Yeah, you know because you don't get rolling hills, no, um, rolling grass hills in New Zealand apart from in that very specific area. Yeah, you know. So when they found, and, it, and they said that it was perfect. You know, it had the tree as described in the book. Yeah, and it was just like, wow. Okay, this was just uh, meant to be. Meant but to be. no, thank you, thank you for that. Um Thank you, Erica. Yeah, Erica. That's right. Sorry, I've completely forgotten who sent us that. <laughs>
1: And this is the best email of all. Um, this is from Aaron, um, who still doesn't say if it's Aaron or Aaron. Oh, yeah, but okay. uh, um, it's entitled Agreed. Yes, Adrian Pesta and Blood oh. do look alike. <sighs>
0: yes! Thank you, Aaron.
1: And he goes, just saying.
0: Oh, is, that, is that the email? Yeah. <laughs> wow, okay. Well, thank you for your input. <laughs> ah. um, that on that maybe note maybe love. just out of curiosity was that the most recent one sent yeah oh okay I thought maybe you deliberately did it so we could finish on that one or something but you just no, did it chronologically that,
1: that was sent on Tuesday okay. I, uh, I read from earliest to latest
0: wow well, okay Dingo. wonderful uh, is that all of them
1: that's everything. Excellent.
0: Great stuff. Okay. Uh, we did it in less than half an hour. That's impressive. Okay. So we are now going to hit pause and then we are going to watch Parting Shots, the 13th episode of season three of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then we will come back and we will do a non-spoiler discussion of this episode. So, Just uh,
1: just before we sign off, um, just remember, like Erica, you can ask us anything. Um, and it's, like, it's really nice to have those little conversations about other geeky things that we're really into yeah because so, there's probably know.
0: geeky stuff where they live that we yeah. don't know about you know
1: absolutely so keep the questions yeah. coming
0: absolutely um cool okay should we do this here we go right back in a moment this podcast you're listening to pretty good isn't it only problem is it's about halfway through pretty soon it'll be over and then what are you gonna do well, if you're a fan of this show, why not head over to WeArePodSyndicate.com and subscribe to our brand new feed, Pod Syndicate: The Bonus Shows. Every week, your hosts from Beyond the Neon, Chinstroker vs. Punter, Entertainment Landfill, Film Bastards, his film, her movie, and What's On Tap will be dropping bonus shows right onto that feed. These shows might be collaborations and crossovers, or they might be archive episodes, interviews, one-offs, and other treats from across the Pod Syndicate network. So, prepare yourself for the inevitable disappointment of this Pod Syndicate show ending by heading to wearepodsyndicate.com and clicking on the bonus shows.
1: We now return you to your regularly scheduled Pod Syndicate podcast.
0: Swear you'll listen to the good, the bad, and the odd. The good. He has the cruelty of Jack Nicholson's Joker, the wit of Mark Hamill's Joker, and the laugh of Cesar Romero. (laughs) The bad. He's bald, he's got a cat, he lives in a volcano. What else you need? And the odd. I've seen bits of it. It's really stupid.
1: Swear to me.
0: Just a couple of guys talking about movies. You can find us on www the good the bad and the odd.com What a beautiful podcast. Okay, so we've just finished watching episode 13 of season 3 of Marvel's Age of called, Shield. Like? Um parting shots have
1: Oh it? god, it's almost like someone told you. <laughs> I
0: was started. going to say it proudly that the example I always use of this. and I love this. I've probably already quoted this about 10 times, but I think about this at least once a week. Anytime I say something where I think I'm being clever is the glory bend thing in Buffy. You know, where, like, um, Glory and Ben are the same person, but anybody who sees it forgets. And it's, like, this weird thing, and, like, they'll, re- they'll see it, and but Spike doesn't forget it because he's a vampire. Mm. And he'll see them all start to forget that they know that Ben's really Glory. And he'll be like, is everybody stoned? What's going on? And then one time, like, Xander remembers... And he's really proud of himself because they're like, glory. He's like, he's also, he's also Ben. And then they carry on. And then later on, somebody mentions glory. And he's like, a.k.a. Ben. <laughs> and like, any time I say something where I think I'm being clever, I think of Xander in that, in that moment. Um, Excellent. But yes, yeah, so, so we have just finished watching, um, fuck, <laughs> Parting Shots. A.k.a. <laughs> ben. Yeah, a.k.a. Ben. No, we have just watched... Episode 13 of season three of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a.k.a. Parting Shots. <laughs> um, and um, Hannah, what were your thoughts?
1: Oh, God. I I knew what was coming in this episode, and I wondered... Have you seen this before? Is this some kind of, hang on, a.k.a. <laughs> a rewatch? I wondered if it would resonate as much this time around, because... Um, this is this is an episode that I have held in my head for seven years. Like wow. there are there are so many frames of this episode that I just you know it it's like that thing that we talk about of um, when you listen to an episode of a podcast while you're doing something and then if you ever re listen to that episode you think about what you were doing the or first where you time.
0: were
1: yeah um
0: you think imprinting
1: yeah I. I just, I just remember parts of this episode really well, especially the end. Obviously, yeah. it's extremely emotive. Um, and we talk about the fact I have a cold, dark heart and I don't cry. Um, this is the closest I can come to crying.
0: So you can days. imagine like an actual human an would actual cry. An actual
1: human being.
0: Uh, like, people like me with my earth emotions... <laughs>
1: Um, Yeah, like, uh, that's the closest I come to shedding a tear. Sorry,
0: that was me. Look, I have got it on. It's because it is one of my emergency contacts.
1: Yeah, I I just... It's the closest I come to crying. It was emotional. It was full of action. It was full of detail. Mm. There was so much going on in it. I love the fact, like, having the whole... Twenty-four hours earlier can sometimes work against a show, yeah. and we've seen that in previous. You know, like the whole flash forward with the the
0: necklace. Yeah, and, and we've we've talked about it as a device, haven't
1: yeah. we? Yeah, I but mean, I mean I, even I,
0: more now. I mean, yeah. we've seen it a lot in the last few years but since I, this episode too. But I
1: think in this particular episode, it works extremely well because it keeps you very uncertain of whether Bobby and Hunter are safe, where they are, how they got to be that way, um, where the rest of the team are. The dynamic of the group is very jumbled, and I think it needs to be because it culminates in the stark reality that they lose
0: two people at the end. Well, also, one of the reasons why I think it makes sense to do it this way as well is that the episode is about Hunter and Bobby, and I think that if you told it purely chronologically there'd be parts of the episode where that thread gets lost yeah and by having them now that device not just there's a device within the device at work here from a kind of film grammar perspective because you've got that um flashback flash forward thing going on that you've that you mentioned and we've talked about other other episodes have done this recently as well um and why people do this is to try and try and keep people interested we talked about Picard did it this Mm, season you know it starts with a big action sequence and then we jump back and we get to it yeah um and the but the other thing that this episode does as well is the um the what's the word I'm looking for when you you grill somebody when you're interviewing them what's there's a term there's like a tv term for that um interrogation yeah like the interrogation I guess sequence um, the that, five lights. Yeah, th- that be, <laughs> no, but th- but that being used as a way of doing flashbacks is a classic thing as well. I yeah. mean, you see that in um, that film that the John Wick guys made recently with um, actor's name. Better call Saul. Nobody. Yeah. No. What's the actor's name though?
1: Oh, um, Oden Cook.
0: Yeah, Bob Odin Cook. That had that where it starts with him being questioned, and what that all goes back to is that goes back to film noir, mm. the, where you'll have like. Um, you know Philip Marlowe um you'll have to, um 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 Humphrey Bogart being in the police and he's all beaten up and he'll be like let me tell you about you know my night you know the dame walked into my office and mm. she and then yeah. he, you'll go back so you've got the the framing device of the interrogation also connecting with the device of the um the flashback to keep things moving along you know yeah. and sometimes that's done I think retroactively, and this is, and I think that the big difference to this episode is that it was part of the construction of the episode. Like, I, yeah. I've got no doubt that when they wrote this episode, they knew from the beginning they were doing it. But what happens a lot on TV shows is that's a decision that's made in post-production mm-hmm. in editing. Yeah, like there's a there's, a, um, there's an episode, one of my favourite episodes of the sci-fi series *Farscape*, has this insane structure, um, like one of these episodes. And I remember watching the DVD, and I've got to say as well, if there's any Farscape geeks, fast geeks out there, or Farskeeps, as I was about to call them, um, get the DVD sets, because every single episode has a commentary track. Like, like there's, it, Each season's got 22 episodes, and every single one's got a commentary track. And on that episode, um, they said that the reason they did that was it was boring. They, said they literally sat down and watched the episode, and were like, oh my God, this is like really dragging. So the director went. Well, let's just go fucking nuts. Mm. Like the episode starts, and they and the um, one of the characters starts talking to the audience, knowing it's a TV show, and he hits pause and he's like, "Let's let's fast forward through for this bit. This bit's boring." And it's just this anarchic episode, um, and people. It's one of the generally regarded as one of the top two or three episodes of the show, mm. but got, the got their writers and directors are like, "Trust me, if you watch this episode the way we originally made it." Um, You'd hate it. It was mm. just dull as shit. That isn't the case with this. So with no. this, I think that it needed to be told this way and it wasn't just a watching it and thinking, oh, there's a lot of boring character stuff. Let's throw in a bit of action at the beginning just to kind of, you know, tickle no. their ball, tickle their balls a little bit yeah. and then we'll do that. It's just there's a reason for it from the yeah. construction perspective. It,
1: it just works beautifully that way and all, all of the performances were brilliant and... The emotion
0: seemed extremely genuine as well. Well, it felt like they were saying goodbye to the actors.
1: Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And, and, you uh, know, I, I don't think there was a lot of having
0: to dig very deep to get the tears well, to come. There's a, there's a little bit of meta-knowledge here as well. And we'll get onto this, like, maybe later in the episode. Um but, you know, they were leaving the show because they were getting their own show. Yeah. Um, and that didn't happen. The network watched the pilot and for whatever reason didn't take it up to serious. But the problem then was they couldn't just return to the show because you'd have to renegotiate contracts. Mm. And if you renegotiate a contract, you've got to pay people more. So they probably got priced out of the show. Yeah. Other opportunities came up, you know, all of his stuff. So so basically it was... Well, it was Adrian Palicki would have had the Orville coming she went, up. She went on to the Orville. And Nick yeah. Blood, he's one of those actors where he's not short of work. I mean, he's in um, that show Euphoria, that Zendaya show uh, on HBO, and that's a really successful show. It's a really big deal um, at the moment. And, you know, so they're they're neither of them kind of were short for work. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time... Um, the other bit of meta-knowledge as well is that they were both very popular uh, people in the production of the show.
1: This is the thing that I found uh, first time round. My, Because obviously first time round didn't realise this was going to happen. I couldn't yeah. believe how gutted I was that they were leaving. Because
0: we didn't like those characters at first. No,
1: to start with... I mean, you didn't like them more than me. I mean, I thought they were fine, but just sort of forget- forgettable. Well, they were introduced
0: with a whole load of new characters, yeah. and uh, uh, lots of those characters didn't stick around, like the Lucy Lawless character yeah. as well. So it felt a little bit like um, suddenly my favourite new my favourite band had like a new keyboard player, yeah. and you know, and it felt like a lot at once. Yeah,
1: but, but like what this episode. Surprised me with was
0: the first time you watched it. You the first about? time
1: I watched it was how much I had come to care for. Well, you don't know characters. what you got to. It's gone, do you? Exactly. And I think that. And was, when I realised that they were being said goodbye to, you realised I, 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 I
0: was exactly the same. And what that made me realise was at some point I had started to like those characters and not even noticed it. Yeah. You know, and it's like I always still talk about the whole um, Spartacus, Blood and Sand, the yeah. Stephen Deny series about how. I, when I first started watching that show, I kind of watched it almost as a as I a mistake, mm. and then there was. By the end, and then I remember there was an episode about four or five in where I was really emotionally affected by it and was really into it. And then I was like, I wonder when that happened. (laughs) You know, I wonder at what point I actually started enjoying this show unironically and just enjoyed it. You know, just enjoyed it, and uh, just became desensitized to how graphically awful it was. (laughs) I've still not seen the final season of that show. That that could be a fun fucking rewatch project at some point because there's only like about five episodes. After seeing
1: someone get castrated and fed his own castrated,
0: is that when it happens in a vehicle? Well,
1: castrated. Because I'm not from fucking Birmingham. No, everybody castrated. says castrated.
0: Castrated.
1: You say castrated you? in New Zealand. Yes.
0: You say data as well, don't you? You're fucking weirdos. Anyway, enough of my enough of my my hate talk. <laughs> enough of my racism for the enough place of, I live.
1: Enough, of, enough of you know Mike taking the piss out of my accent every oh,
0: week. It's so funny as well because I feel like um, this is I, I couldn't do it in front of anyone else in New Zealand it's right. like the audience it's like I'll say the occasional offensive thing nobody will um complain I'm like okay guys look now I know you're cool right <laughs> I can get into the really hateful shit <laughs> <Back off. laughs> yeah. um, but anyway yeah so um, but, but to go back to what you said earlier on about um the density of this episode um you're absolutely right because when I said this to Hannah while we were recording was I was struggling to take notes because so much stuff was happening and I wonder how much of that was down to the fact that it was precipitated by the fact that they were leaving the show. They, maybe they got the order for the pilot and were like shit guys we've got to have you in makeup on like Monday to film um, Marvel's Most Wanted is the name of the show. Uh, and it's interesting because it was... And we've it, never
1: watched...
0: It's not available. It was it? it was shot. It's a oh, two-hour pilot. It was written by Jeffrey Bell and directed by... Um, oh, no, it was written by Geoffrey Bell and DJ Doyle, and it was directed by Paul Zabizowski.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Why uh, is it not available?
0: Um, well, it, it's never been aired. Because like, uh, pilot episodes basically are made... By the production company, by Mutant Enemy, but or whoever.
1: Surely it should have leaked uh, and, out. And then, no, that's
0: the thing. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, because the, the the unaired pilot of The Big Bang Theory, where Penny's played by a different actress, that's available. You know, mm. all of these kind of weird things. Buffy, when there's a different Willow, and Buffy's got black hair, and you know, they've leaked. You know, um, but this one, they, the, you know, the, you shoot the pilot. And then the network look at it and go, "Yes, okay, we want this to go to series." So they then hire. They then, sorry, they then, um, what's the word? I'm looking for um, get them to make a season, basically, and then they will air the pilot as the first episode. But if the show doesn't go to series, they don't air the pilot. Mm. But as you correctly mentioned, these things usually leak, but this one never has, and it is interesting to. But it will happen eventually. These things always do. That in maybe in ten years' time, we'll mm. we'll get this. M- M- Agents of Shield movie from the past kind of reappear, and that's yeah. kind of a nice thought. You know, the fact mm. that that could happen. Um, people who saw it said it was fucking amazing. That it was like it was. It's a real shame that it wasn't picked up because I could see it being successful, having legs. Well, yeah, was, uh, I, I I looked into it. I, I looked on Wikipedia. That's a level of research that I did. But the general consensus was that there was some politics involved, right. but there was a little bit of weird. Um, Silver Surfer, what do you know? Yeah, 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 yes. Yeah. Silver <laughs> Surfer, uh, Silver Surfer, investigative report required for this <laughs> yeah, one. Uh, but, on. but you've got, you've got, you've got um, mutant enemy. You've got, you know, the Whedons um, production company, their equivalent of Bad Robot. You've got Disney. You've got Marvel Studios. You've got ABC, the TV network that are owned by Disney, and you've got all these people. And I get the feeling that maybe there was stuff happening in the larger MCU, and they just were just like, look, you know what? We want to maybe just kind of put a bit of a cap mm. on the amount of um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. verse stuff that we're doing, because I think that they were worried. What was that coming the,
1: out in terms of the films around this time?
0: Um, well, this would have been... What date did you say this one was on?
1: 22nd of March, 2016.
0: Okay, so um, MCU films. Oops. Two thousand. Well, it would probably have been more. What was in production at this point? Um, Yeah, I mean, it would. This would have been around the time of like civil war. Mm. So I think that it was just we were leading up towards, which
1: is a fucking amazing. Big, huge film. Yeah,
0: and uh, that was and a fracture point for the storyline. A so really I, big fracture. So I think that maybe it was just that they they knew Got that the MCU was and... was was going to be going in a lot of different directions. Yeah, and I just don't think that they wanted to overcomplicate things a little bit, but. Um, but yeah, I'll be, Such I'll, be a good I'll be very curious. And if anybody out there but has a copy of it, oh my you god, know, sure. um, then hook us up. But it's yeah. it's not it's never leaked. It's, I mean, I don't think there's there's a poster for it. Have you seen the poster? No. This is funny. They're not back
1: to back, are they? No,
0: no, no. Um, <laughs> uh, Marvel's um, most wanted.
1: Is it a white backdrop
0: with red lettering? No, but I think that. Um, <laughs> and this was released. This was the poster that they put out on the internet.
1: Oh god.
0: It's the the uh, the battens yeah, yeah. and the uh, the no rest for the wicked. Yeah. But I mean, so fuck I want to watch that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I mean, I just being in their company again, you know, the characters were just really they got really well defined and yeah. you know, I I Cared about them by this point. I think what, I this, really I th- I think what happened
0: them. with the characters, I think particularly with Hunter, because I think Bobby was good from the beginning, to be honest with you. Um, I think that what happened with but, Hunter. I mean,
1: Bobby came into it later than you, Hunter.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think that her character was better defined from the beginning. But I think what you see would happen with Hunter, we've talked about this before, is the actor started coming mm. through, the personality yeah. of the actor. Because if you look at Hunter at the beginning, basically. He's like a, um, he's a Jason, he's, J- he's, he's Jason a, Statham.
1: He's a go rogue kind yeah. of guy. Yeah.
0: Um, and it's, I think what they started to do was the more um, slightly, almost like Danny dyer kind of elements of, yeah. of, of, of his personality started coming through. And that was when I think the character got interesting. And that happens, you know, you, you see the, the actor's, make weird little choices with, uh, and, the, and the writers look at it and go, oh, okay, you do that sort of stuff well. I'll give you a little bit more of that. And it, it evolves.
1: The one thing I would say is I thought it was later in the season that they leave.
0: I thought it was the season after this. I didn't even oh, realise. No, I
1: knew it was the season, but I thought it was like four from the end. Yeah.
0: And I think this is something that's interesting about um, the um, the sort of temporal thing that happens when you do a rewatch is obviously you're watching it in a shorter period of time. Because although we've gone through periods where we'll skip a week or we're only watching them every week, we're not having six-month gaps like you do on the show. So um, when a character joins a show and then at a later point leaves a show, the period of time that we're spending with them on a rewatch is shorter. And quite Um, frankly, the more
1: um, feedback you guys send through... the the quicker we record because I pester
0: Mike yeah no that's the thing if we get feedback it's like (laughs) our urge to want to um, enjoy and share and discuss that feedback is equal to our urge to want to watch the next episode of SHIELD because as soon
1: as we watch one every time we do a rewatch I I always say to Mike I want to watch the next one
0: yeah
1: and that's the thing about Agents of SHIELD it's so moorish.
0: Um, It's Pringles, isn't it?
1: You know how there's loads of films that do like a, like Twin Peaks do their whole watch it 24 hours through the night, you know, marathon kind of viewing. Which I've done. Yes, I know you've done it. Um, And like we went to an Edgar Wright. um, All-nighter. All-nighter. Yeah. Yeah. which was cool, um, but I, I could do this with Agents of Shield. I could just watch
0: it. The like thing with Agents of Shield, bed bed. and we will get into the breakdown of the episode in a moment, but this is a good point in the season to kind of take stock. The thing about Agents of Shield is that it gets a whole bunch of things right. Mm. It get it does things that lots of shows do well combined. So, for example, one of the, I've talked before about how I love. Start up the next generation for the hangout factor. For mm-hmm. the I like spending time with these people in the places that they hang out, and then I like shows like The X Files because of the richness of the universe and the mythology that they have. Um, I like um, other shows for their humour. Um, you get all of that. Yeah. In this, it's like things that are the one thing that other shows do really well are just one of the things. That Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. does really well. Mm. You know, so it'll do those things in tandem with a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah. And I think that that's something that you get more when you binge watch it or when you re watch it. And I don't mean that just from the perspective of the fact that you can remember what happened in the last episode, so you're more. Because I'm not really that interested in the storyline. Like, well, actually, no, I'll I'll rephrase that. I love the story, but I'm not that interested in the plot. Mm. you know because and you know just to clarify because this is a useful thing so i'm going to get back to this in this episode the difference between story and plot is an example i always use is the the plot of rocky is there's this poor guy Mm. and he's living a really shit life and he life's passed him by um and then um this other boxer Decides that he's going to throw out a challenge to to raise his profile and seem more working class and, class and relatable, um, and this, this boxer Rocky um, takes up the offer and starts training and decides he's going to fight him. Rocky then meets a girl and then so etc etc etc. That's the plot. Mm. The story is a man learns the value of his own life and the importance of always getting up after you've been knocked down. Mm. You know, so story is the broad th- feel, thematic look and feel. Kind of, it, of yeah. what's it about? Mm. The what's, plot. What's the feeling? Is what's the stuff that happens? You know. Do you uh, know
1: what the story is? It's the vibe.
0: <laughs> it's the vibe, man. The
1: vibe. <laughs> if anyone's watched the, the castle, castle yeah, they'll yeah. know.
0: Mm. <laughs> okay, so should we get into the um, the play by play? Indeed. As it were. Um, so we open up um, my notes <laughs> on my phone. First of all,
1: oh, that's one thing I meant to say to you. You know how you were saying um, how action packed this episode was, and it was really hard to write notes for it. Um, did you notice how I didn't help you out at all? I wrote none.
0: Yeah, I, you did my call. Whereas, like, <laughs> watch, look at this, look at this. Yeah, they're extensive. Yeah, and I'll probably end I up asking passwords. Ah, he'll be
1: fine. He'll he'll cover it. It'll yeah, be all, all good.
0: Muggings over here. Yep. So we open up with Bobby um, on sort of uh, the in uh, the Interpol. Um, black ops site in moscow we learn that's, that's where Looking she is
1: about wanting a cheeseburger and curly fries yeah maybe very hungry yeah we yeah. just had dinner
0: yeah big time uh we learn that she's um she she uh, and hunter as we will we will soon see um allegedly murdered three uh very high up russians um and he says that um you know what we what were you doing in siberia and then we get as as, as hannah mentioned earlier on we flash back to uh um, initially at least 36 hours earlier and we see hunter and bobby running in the snow um and, it, and it's funny i've I mentioned this before with agents of shield they do this really well whereas all it takes is a little bit of embellishment to make you believe that you're somewhere mm. like put up a, a sign with some russian writing a little bit of a snowy set and a you know a cg backdrop to make it all look you know a little bit sort of chernobyl-ish and you buy that that's where you are yeah, Ukraine. I know it is but you you get what I'm saying yeah, yeah. is the fact that if, if you just have somebody in like you know a um snowy vista in Ontario mm. um but you put a little bit of just seasoning a little mm. bit of co- kind of like you know cultural seasoning from from the place that it's meant to be and you buy it you know yeah and um
1: Get a couple of long green jackets and a furry hat.
0: I I mean, and that's not to take... Deep as dark as Moscow. Yeah, And that's not to take anything away from the production of the show because there were a couple of moments. I mean, one of the things I'm going to say, I was going to say this later, but I'll mention it now, is just what a great-looking episode this is Mm. because you've got most of it set at night. Mm. Um, There's a lot of red, and I don't know how much of that was like a red Russia, Mm. probably an oversimplification, but there's a lot of, like, red um, lighting and, like... um, um, like um, computer like screens and graphics,
1: ex- accent color throughout. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and I mean, it was obviously, and and they talk about these things. You know, when a director comes onto an episode, they'll they'll show photographs or paintings or say, "This is my kind of style guide for this episode." Yeah, and this episode, very always much like
1: mood boards that go with, you know, a director's vision. Yeah, for exactly. These
0: so we see, um, we then flash back to Hunter and Bobby running in the snow. We see that what what's happening is um we left them in the last episode of course stowing away on the plane and what they're trying to do here
1: mm-hmm.
0: ultimately is track um malik's convoy um because i think they think that he's there looking for inhumans well, sorry um what they are doing i should say is that they're looking for the uh inhuman sanctuary mm-hmm. or prison camp depending on perspective that we saw the um overly helpful uh, Russian offering Malik at the uh, Inhuman Expo in the last episode. Yeah. Are you texting somebody? No. Okay. Um, I take it back. Um, And one of the things that we see here and I think that part of this is that um, not only is this them this is a little bit kind of inside baseball I guess but um, not only is this um, them being written out of the show because they're going to be getting their own show there's a little bit of that kind of backdoor pilot kind of vibe going on here, you know. Um, and I think that so what they're also trying to do in this episode, and I think in this scene, this is why I bring it up because they do it very well, is what what they're doing here is they're trying to showcase the characters. They're, they're trying to say, see, you, don't you want to see a show from these uh, characters? So what we really get front and center in this episode Probably more than anything, and it's, it's easy to forget this in the kind of razzmatazz of everything else that's going on, and the ending, and the visual look, and the density of the storyline, is just how much chemistry the two actors have got. Yeah, and I think that in some ways, the big tragedy that it's such a shame, really, that the the writers the and leaves, the producers. Yeah. Um, recognise that to the point where they're like, let's give them their own show. Yeah. But that very decision robbed us of seeing more of that chemistry. Yeah. There's, a, there's a cruel um, TV politics, Hollywood irony to, to this. I mean,
1: I'm very grateful that Adrian Pilecki has found, you know, a place in the Orville because she's excellent at yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. I would have loved to see... To see more of them, like in the stuff, of the
0: stuff that happens in later seasons, and particularly environments that the characters find oh, themselves in,
1: would have been amazing. Would have been
0: very entertaining to see and, these characters. But in.
1: you've also got to think if that happened with the other characters, well, though, have been those involved.
0: other characters were clearly doing and saying the things that these characters would have been saying if they'd still been said, in the show. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, um, you know, and I think that. Um, yeah, yeah we'll, yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. So
1: um, I'm so excited for what we've got to come. To. Yeah, yeah, there totally. Is, and we're in such a good place. Yeah,
0: yeah. And um, so, so I mean, I guess what I'm getting at is that you get a lot of really good chemistry between the two of them. Yeah. Uh, we see um, the. Um, oh
1: my God, he looks like Adrian Pester. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, I, I do declare, <laughs> he looks like a young Harry Belafonte. <laughs> um, so. We see that they're communicating to Fitz, who's up on Zephyr One, yep. so they're not completely alone. They're out yep. there, and one of the things I quite—I like
1: like how calm he is, in not it? And he's very like, "Yep, okay, we've got them. They're there Blah yeah, blah, yeah. blah. And
0: they're talking about the documentary that you recommended yeah. to him and all this kind of stuff. But yep. but the thing that I quite like about it is that there's a little bit of a kind of bait and switch going on here because. Mm-hmm. um you assume at the beginning of the episode that they're going to get caught on this little thing, but but they don't. They come out, they go back on, they mix yeah. it with everyone else, and then they all branch off with different people. So yeah. there is a little bit of that kind of like using the format of the uh, the flash forward to kind of keep you your synapses kind of like firing whilst you're watching the episode. Yeah. And um, so um,
1: it's not predictable.
0: Yeah, mm. uh, but what we learn though is that basically they're they're having to work unacknowledged and this is something it's a, that's a black ops, ops term where the idea being that because and this is very well constructed and this is a classic example of what S.H.I.E.L.D. does really well which is you know and things will happen like we talked before about how there was an issue with this actor that was playing Will and there's been you know there's stuff like all the shit that happened in um, Captain America um, Winter Soldier which meant they had to change the show. Yeah. There's a, there's a really great kind of agility to the production of this show yeah. and
1: What they use here that's really clever special forces to be a Marvel writer,
0: yeah, absolutely, yeah, because there's so many moving parts, yeah. But but I think that the the one thing that they do really well here is that they make it seem really organic because you've got, um, come on, face ID, do you think? Um, the the whole fact that SHIELD technically don't exist and that in many ways the ATCU are a glorified front. And that the president knows that public opinion is so against S.H.I.E.L.D., but he knows the truth and also knows that they get shit done, so he needs them. But this is the political solution for doing it. But what that also means is that if anybody gets caught doing stuff like that, they have to be disavowed. Mm. Otherwise, the existence of S.H.I.E.L.D. will be revealed and the whole house of cards will come falling down. Mm. So the reasons for them being in this predicament are pre- foreshadowed and completely legitimate within the context and dare I say it verisimilitude of the show you know the <laughs> within the internal logic uh, and the rules that the show is yeah. established it is completely logical it's yeah. not it's not like a kind of you have to kind of squint to sort of believe it you I know
1: think that's it's something that um I don't want to say it's a show that you don't think about the, um, you know, continuity because it, obviously it's a Marvel thing. Continuity is key, but um, it goes on in the background so much that you
0: don't really pay
1: homage to how much they adhere
0: to it. Like, and that's that's testimony to how good it is. Yeah, you know, and, you shouldn't see the writing. Yeah, and we and, said that the times when the show doesn't work as well is When you do see the writing,
1: and that, but they like, I can't think of a, a really big instance where they go against a um, a rule that they've written yeah. for a character, like they wouldn't do that. No,
0: you know, you don't find yourself saying that a lot. And the example it, I always it, use as the antithesis of that is The Walking Dead. You watch that show, and you're like, Why are you doing that? Yeah. and then something else will happen, you'll be like, Oh, because the writers needed you to be to over do here, that. yeah, you know, and that's. Just it always writing. reminds
1: me of um, uh, Ben in Parks and Recreation, where he says to Leslie, oh, "He went back and watched Fringe from the start to to check for plot holes." And as he expected, it was airtight. <laughs> it is airtight. <laughs> it is airtight. <laughs> and, and, and,
0: but, but it's, it's, and We're watching like, at the moment. I, I like I, I like my musical analogies, but the classic one is you don't notice the notes that are played well. You only notice the notes that are played badly. Yeah, you know and. I think that that is true. It's like I mean, I I remember when I first watched the X Files. That was the first show that I watched where I really knew how writing and TV worked. So that was mm-hmm. the first show that was on when I'd like read a lot of books about yeah. TV and movies and kind of was watching it and going, okay, yes. So you know, it was the first TV show I watched where I knew what mise en scène meant. You know, did you go? And, ah,
1: verisimilitude. Yeah,
0: yeah, probably, <laughs> probably, and um. But the thing about the X-Files is a great example is the only time I ever noticed the writing was when it was bad. Yeah. Like I remember there's one episode, I'll never forget this, and I remember Dan reacting exactly the same way, where the big thing with the X-Files is Mulder's search for the truth. Yeah. What happened to his sister and what's the truth behind this government conspiracy? That's mm-hmm. the engine that runs the show. And there's this episode, this really big episode at the beginning of season four or five. Where it's a cliffhanger, and he finally finds this guy, who is at the centre of the conspiracy. Then he cuts to the next episode, and Mulder's driving across the country with this guy, and he's just driving silently. And it's like, why the fuck? Why aren't you asking him? Why aren't you going? So what the fuck's going on? What's the? And it was just, and it was because the writers didn't want Mulder to find stuff out until later on in the season. And but as an audience member who was really invested in the show, you were. I found myself just screaming at the TV and just going, "This is bullshit." Like what, you know. It's
1: like the people who have a fight with their partner and can't can't go through their front door to solve the argument.
0: Yeah, yeah, for it's, for, it. it's for neighbors. Yeah. For stop. Oh stop. well.
1: Wait. Oh. oh
0: no, they're out of shot. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, and it was one of those moments, and that was like, oh man, you know, I've had like three seasons of not noticing the writing at this point, yeah. and I knew it. I, I even then, you know, I, this was like, you know, the twenty five thirty years ago. Even then, I was watching it and just thinking, well, obviously. They want Mulder to find out the thing that he would have found out if he'd had this conversation during the big two parts of that, probably happened in the middle of the season. Yeah. And that was the point where I was like, okay, writers, you you need a fucking holiday. Yeah, you yeah. Because your writing's starting to show. And and that that happens so far um, very rarely on this show. Very rarely. Uh, and I think yeah. a big part of that is that it's this is a very well delegated show, and Fringe is similar um, in the way that you've got the key team you've got um jeffrey bell marissa tanker um and um jed Whedon, and then there's about three or four other writers who were part of the key group and then you've got other people who just crop up and i think what it is is that they've got a really good production model for the show and they script edit every episode but then they hire all of these other writers to go and do the grunt work Mm. and i think that's the lesson that they've learned from shows like the x-files and star trek where people like Chris Carter and Jay Michael Straczynski, they're like, oh, I'll just write them all. It's too complicated to explain to you. Like, you know when you're a manager mm. or when you're, you're supervising people at work and you're like, and just fucking let me do it.
1: But it's not good management.
0: No, no it's not. Mm. And, but I think that over the years, that's the lesson that's been learned is mm. you have to learn how to run a show. Yeah. And there's a really good documentary called Showrunners. that's about this and about how if you're a showrunner, you have to be so many things. You have to be... a a creative genius you have to be like a George Lucas or a JK Rowling or somebody who just has immense creative world building vision but you also need to be a people manager an administrator um a delegator
1: down with the finite details yeah yeah, you you know like little like itty little bitty things but, but
0: it's not just the creative stuff though it's the fact that you have to um um you have to be a manager you have to get people to do their jobs and make sure that they're all doing stuff on time and but let's not get too sidetracked yeah, yeah, let's yeah, get yeah. back no, no, to no. the episode and um so so w- what we see is and uh, this is what's kind of led to this tangent mm. was that it's, it's very well prefaced that the whole relationship between shield and the atcu is this this tenuous kind of um, deception. um So we we cut back to them in the snow, and they're talking about how long it's been since they've had an actual vacation. Mm. And they also talk about all of the sacrifices that they've made. Um, And it's a
1: good way to kind of take a viewer back into okay, you don't remember everything about what they've done, but it gives you a sense of remember the first time we saw this person and yeah. remember this that happened. And they've and, got
0: a lot of prehistory from, mm. from before when they were even in the show. Yeah. You know, like a huge yeah. part of their storyline, we've just heard from like Mac having conversations with Hunter yeah. and stuff. and um,
1: Like anecdotal recounts. yes, yeah.
0: yeah. and and basically, what you're the sense that you're getting is that Hunter's like, you know, I just need a fucking break from yeah. all of this, and just, I need and, to go and on the that's beach. That's all
1: come from his and May's experience trying to infiltrate Hydra yeah. to
0: to get Ward. Well, they've both been through a lot of shit, basically, yeah. haven't they?
1: Well, he's he's got a bit of PTSD from um, Bobby. Nearly dying on yeah, him, yeah, 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 Like you know that he he hasn't recovered from that. No,
0: and you know the it, 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 it's. It, you can always tell a lot from the previouslys, you know, previously yeah. on Shield. Yeah. 100%. And one of the previouslys, the bits in the previously at the beginning of this is the May Hunter conversation about how she's like, you're just doing everything for her. Yeah. You're not really about the mission, all this kind of stuff. So yeah. they get caught, they, they get surrounded by some guys, but then just kick the piss out of them and get out of it. Yeah. Um So we. we um.
1: I love the boomerang sticks.
0: Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, and, so and that feels a little bit like the kind of. They're gearing up for the new show. They're like yeah. we need to we need to come up with new uses for her it's like buttons. Thor. Yeah. Well and, and um Captain America's Shield as yeah. well, you know.
1: Well, like are the sticks made from
0: Vibranium. Vibranium. Well, like, uh, probably, probably. Probably. Yeah. Um, so um, we and we get the whole thing about, you know, the mushrooms as well, that Hunter's just blagging it and procrastinating. Mm.
1: Um, Although part of me does want to try that recipe
0: that he said about... I'm sure it's a thing. pearl barley yeah.
1: and the the chicken bouillon. Don't
0: worry, I, I took notes. I, I like pearl barley. I lived with vegans for three years, so I got to know fucking pearl barley. There's pearl barley,
1: barley in my mum's, um, like, quote marks vegetable oh, soup that's, that's got fucking, meat in it.
0: That is some good soup.
1: It's some fucking
0: good soup. Um, so... Um, they they learn that there's some like high-ranking uh, political figures coming, and they're wondering why. Um, we cut back to the questioning. Um, Hunter says that his real name is Amadeus Ravenclaw Hunter, which is...
1: Uh, I was like, yeah, Harry Potter. I'll
0: you tell you what. can run with it. If we had a third child, Amadeus Ravenclaw, that's the way I'm going. Um, he's shown pictures of the victims. Uh, we cut back to 29 hours earlier, and we see them heading into the compound. So May and Hunter, who have been buddied up again, find a body. Um, we learned that it's um, the Russian Prime Minister's personal attaché um, I'd uh, love to be an attaché but they all seem to get killed you know in my mind an attaché is just somebody it's who walks around is yeah, no, somebody who is like what's an attaché I'd be like is somebody who walks around with a briefcase like <laughs> Like, uh, like, they'll be like, "Where's my attaché?" And they run up with a brief. It's all right, mate. I've you got know. it. I've got it. It is attaché to me. I live for the briefcase. It's like <laughs> I don't know what else I do. I, I, it's I, like this is why
1: you and I are married. because yeah, I it's think like,
0: the same. It's like, <laughs> You think they have fleas at the flea market, don't you? It's one of those kind of scenarios. Um, yeah. so, so, um, Bob, Bobby you and I have literally never had a
1: conversation about attachés ever before, no. uh, yet yeah, we both think the same thing.
0: It's all right, guys. I'm here. I've got the briefcase. I'm doing my job as uh, an attaché. Well,
1: uh, isn't that nice? It's that we've got married.
0: I bet it's not just us, though. I bet there are other people listening to this going, isn't that one attaché? <laughs> <laughs> Just carry the briefcase and get paid weirdly large amounts of money for doing it. Um, so we see that Bobby is has been paired up with Mac and Daisy as well. Yeah. Um, Malik talks um, about, and this is kind of like the uh, him showing his stripes here, um, he talks to the Russians about how America helps the Indians by putting them on reservations, mm. you know, um, and... So you can start to see that there's uh, this is a guy who's got slightly a slightly warped perspective, you know. Yeah. Um, we see the um, the Russian guy says that the uh, attaché was there to shut the project down. So he wasn't just carrying a briefcase, he actually had shit to do. Um, and that basically the Prime Minister is against it. Uh, the attaché is dead at the hands of a KGB agent who uh, we, we suspect is uh, an inhuman, inhuman. himself. Yeah. Um, so... The the Russian guy who originally um, sold Malik on the idea of Russia as being this haven uh, for inhumans uh, wants Malik... Is he Malik...
1: a politician or is he a military? I, I'm not that, sure, I'm not
0: sure. He's, he's a shit heel He wants Malik to smooth it over with the Prime Minister. And basically what we see or we learn through the viewpoint of Colson and the guys on Zephyr 1 is that Malik basically is attempting a coup.
1: A coup, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and this is where I've made the notes. That it so much is happening, it's really hard to take notes. Um, we see May and Hunter argue again. She says that he's selfish, and he says that she was willing to let Andrew die. Uh, sorry to show you. She says that he was willing to let Andrew die to get revenge, and that she says that Shield is uh, about sacrifice for the greater good. Uh, and
1: even if that means the people, people you love, yeah, yeah.
0: And Hunter says that he doesn't know if he admires her or pities her, but crucially. Apologises to her, hmm. and you see her kind of look at him in a sort of moment of like, "Okay, we're not going to agree on this, but I accept your apology." You know, yeah. he's the kind of the. Well, I think
1: it takes a lot to apologise as well because yeah. it, it's kind of him saying to her, "You matter to me."
0: Yeah, and the your, same,
1: your your opinion of me matters, and the
0: subtext of that scene as well, which is really easily obscured now, you know, even just six years later, um, that what this scene is saying is it's possible to respect people that you disagree with. Yeah. Or that you don't And um, my God, with. is that
1: needed now? Um,
0: yeah, I mean that's something that we've lost sight of really yeah. recently. We, we get lots of quality, uh, as you mentioned, battering mm-hmm. um going on. Um we see the Prime Minister is arriving, uh and there's an inhuman assassin number loose. Um, the, the funny thing is, is that they're like, oh my God, somebody's trying to kill the Russian Prime Minister. We need to stop them. It's like, fucking not now. We wouldn't. You would know, be kind of like, well, you know, maybe I'll just have a nap uh, yeah. and see how this plays out.
1: We'll <laughs> you go hang out in the Ukraine yeah, and yeah. just, what's the line in Shaun of the Dead? Um,
0: oh, it's just head to the Winchester. Well, head to the
1: Winchester.
0: Have a pint have and a let pint this all blow and over. And let it
1: all blow mm. over.
0: No, absolutely. And the, um, I mean, in this episode, he's meant to be slightly caddish, but fuck me. This, that guy's like um, Martin Luther King <laughs> compared to the uh, current insaniac that we've got going on. So we see the the Inhuman's powers. He's basically Shadow Man, if so yeah. I had to give him a name. Yeah. Um, and well,
1: he's Shadow Man crossed with Creel because he can solidify with the materials around yeah, him.
0: he reminds me a little bit of the. Um, He's an actor who will turn up in S.H.I.E.L.D. later on, but the, the Terminator in the most recent Terminator film, you know how he can, can kind of separate out from his body?
1: Right. That's just made me think. The Russian guy who is liaising with Malick yeah, was in Fringe yeah. in the episode where his brother was a Russian uh, cosmonaut whose shadow had separated from his body.
0: Wow, talk about typecasting. Yeah like,
1: yeah how bizarre do you remember I mean, that yeah, I do I mean
0: I, I get the russian thing because he just is an intensely russian he's looking guy russian. um yeah. But, uh, but yeah but
1: yeah but yeah that's I, that, that, I, so I think I that's had, just a, I had not made that connection it's a
0: coincidence isn't it um so um Koinkidenk so we see the Shadow Man um, we see uh, Hunter has um, the Prime Minister and he's he's sort of spiriting him away or attempting to spirit him away to safety Uh, we see Hunter shoots the Malik contact the aforementioned fringe guest star Mm -hmm. Um, there's a there's a really nice little slow motion fight with the CG Shadow Man it's really nicely kind of executed and there's a whole bunch of just really good visual stuff in this episode as well and it looks a lot of like slow-mo punches
1: and stuff Yeah, and it looks different
0: it looks different this episode does I mean (laughs) I wonder whether maybe this aesthetic in this episode was what the most wanted show was going to look like that, oh, it, quite that maybe they were kind of it was like a um, like an aesthetic proof of concept kind of thing going yeah. on maybe and um the out some things yeah and because uh, it's like it's like with Buffy as well it's like you know I mean angel the spin-off show, had, did have a slightly different look. Mm. They used these little aesthetic yeah. touches, that, that um, these sort of finturesque things that weren't in Buffy. Yeah. So um, Bobby shoots the dude and surrenders, and Hunter gets caught after saving the Prime Minister. They're reunited, and it's quite an emotional moment. It's mm-hmm. funny because it's a very quippy, action-packed show, but you do get the sense that they are, they're really in the shit. Yeah. When they actually are reunited, there's a kind of level of taking it seriously from and both when, of them.
1: When Hunter sees... If there's a way out, I can't see it. Yeah, you do start to like your sphincter tightens. Yeah, because
0: the difference here, of course, from from the the perspective of the the internal logic of the show, is that they no longer have the might of the government behind them. Yeah. they're kind of, and this is something that you see a lot in like they Tom are Clancy. A
1: fringe division. They
0: are a fringe division, <laughs> and, and this is something that you see a lot in things like John Grisham and Tom yeah. Clancy, where this idea that, that Uh, Black ops is kind of cool and sexy and all that kind of stuff, but if you get stuck behind enemy lines on on an unsanct, it's like the A-team, you know, you will will go to a a military court for a crime you didn't commit, you know. And um, so um, they feel there's no way out because they're sort of, you know, off the books, as we say. Mm -hmm. Um, The the prime minister, the Russian prime minister, is not buying it basically off... um, um, William Sadler, who's returned as the, the Iron Man 3 President of America, yeah. um, who basically has to continue to deny that S.H.I.E.L.D. still exists. And the what the Russian Prime Minister says here, that reiterates a theme that was established in the last episode, is what we're talking about here with the humans essentially is an arms race. Yeah, It's like a new um, energy source has been discovered, and there's a scramble to see who can get the... the um, the proverbial foothold yeah. on that. Um, and um, the Colson rocks up um, as an ATCU rep and basically says, Look, you should be thankful. You know, they've saved your life. Um, they've essentially killed the opposition. Uh, he explains to the Russian prime minister that the general was trying to assassinate him. Um, and basically, someone has to pay for the politics of it. Um, it's nice to see Colson in a suit again. Yeah, you know, um, after Casual Coulson, um, and that, and that's when casual and, and, one-handed Coulson, <laughs> and that adds. Uh, whoa, I, I'm never I'm never happier than <laughs> after uh, a casual, casual
1: one-handed it's Coulson. Like,
0: uh, so somebody has to pay for the politics. Coulson goes to see Hunter and Bobby and introduces himself to them as if to say, "Look, you don't know me, guys. Okay, so let's be careful here." Um, he says, I am that, "Mr. Smith." exactly and he he drops an emp and they've got 90 seconds that's an electromagnetic pulse um and um basically um the and they
1: were wtf yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah
1: i know right and um and,
0: uh, and, uh, i mean ikea yeah <laughs> <we are. laughs> um so basically what they say is that we took an oath to to be shield and we won't expose them um And
1: um, And that's kind of a callback to the conversation that May and Hunter have had. Like, that's Hunter um, coming around to that way of thinking and putting the team ahead of um, himself. He's doing both, though, isn't he? Well, he is, but he's also... He's
0: making a sacrifice, but... but,
1: He's making a sacrifice in the sense that um, Bobby is she's a company gal she wants to be she wants to be working and on a mission all the time i mean you see that in the conversation they have about the fact they've never taken a holiday so for him to kind of say um that's it for us is he knows that she is going to struggle a lot with that but he also knows that if they don't do it, the rest of the team are going to get ratted out. Yeah. So he is putting the team before the person he loves. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: it's, it's They both get character art closure as well. Yeah. I mean, And that's the, the thing that's funny. Is that, I mean, because the show, Marvel's Most Wanted, essentially from what I've heard, was a cross between John Wick and the a mm. in the way that they were on the run because every... Uh, spy in the world was and trying weirdly, to get them weirdly she's
1: in John Wick as yeah, well yeah
0: yeah yeah um, and in the same way that all of the assassins are after John Wick yeah um, uh, but also you know it's set in the Marvel oh god that would have been a good fucking show uh, Disney Plus make that show come on man I mean okay they're both in other TV shows but Disney Plus they only do like six a year just fucking throws oh. a bone um, but um it's a pandemic. So on. basically they the they, they have to deny that they work or ever will work for a US government agency. And I think it's nice that Colson gets to say to them thank thanks them for their sacrifice, but for something else, but they know what he really means. You know, that's yeah. his way of codedly saying yeah. it's been an honor serving it's with okay. you you know yeah. um so they're not coming back they've been disavowed uh, they walk free but they can't be agents and that takes us to the final scene where they're sat in a bar and they're like what next you know what are we going to do uh, and they're like oh great we're getting watched here they see it, they see some you know other shady uh, spy type figure watching them over the bar uh, and Bobby gets a drink brought to her by the barmaid. He's like, we've got an admirer. And they see mm. Gemma. And then what we see here, of course, is scattered around the bar are the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and they say it's a spy's goodbye. The, one, the implication the one th- being... The that-
1: one thing I did think was um, the the guy who's supposed to be like watching them to find out all the intel is a bit shit if he can't see that these yeah, yeah. are
0: other spies there. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And um, the... But the, the, the idea of, of the spies goodbye is that they can't say it directly. So there's a kind of like you know, meaningful sort of element Mike to it. Mike and I
1: both said that if that was um, he and I as Bobby and Hunter, we would all. have drunk all of the shots yeah, yeah. Um, and been staggering out.
0: Hunter's English as well, so I think he probably would have.
1: Well, they had two shots. That's that's a lot for TV. But, but
0: we don't see them leave. No. We only see the you, other people. You and
1: I would have been like, "Thank you very much, yeah. Blonk, Thank you very much. Yeah. Like there wouldn't have been any like fucking misty-eyed salute to the person who would be like, "Oh, isn't that lovely?" So it's going to be a shot <laughs> straight down the head. And
0: you do you do get a sense in the scene that there is an element of the cast giving colleagues a send off.
1: I as love well. the fact that Mac is like very much the last yeah, person, yeah, yeah. and, and and markedly so.
0: Um, but he's known them the longest. And the exactly, show, the, the show exactly. doesn't forget that. Yeah, know? yeah,
1: yeah. I like that it's they like make a says, very big I mean, Colson
0: sticks around a little bit longer because he's the lead character in the show. But Mac gets the big moment. Yeah, he He's he the last one to stand up mm. and kind of have that, have that sort of... And like, I'd have to say, Bobby's tears looked... Absolutely genuine. Yeah, yeah. You do get a sense that they were legit. And the other thing mm-hmm. I want to mention about this scene as well is there's a really nice bit of orchestral score from Bear McCreary who does the music to the show. Yeah. Like they they obviously threw him a few bucks and were like, Right, okay, get a little bit of orchestra and T- and, and that's what's
1: there to tickle your balls.
0: <laughs> yeah, just fucking get it right up there. No but the, Mike the, was waggling. But, but it's, index the, it's finger. the way that um the the american network tv shows work is that and i mean going back to the 60s i know but star trek work like this is that they would um have a budget for the music for the season and every so often they'd get a little bit of extra money so they'd go and they'll get like a larger orchestra together and record a bunch of epic sounding music mm. for the bigger episodes and this is one of those instances where they dip into that a little bit you know you do yeah. get a sense a really nice bit of score but i think it kind of helps that scene land and um and it's it'd be funny though if it was just um, like a huge coincidence. Like they email each other later on. They're like, "You were you were at that bar too." <laughs> 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 Fucking hell! I, I, what a coincidence! I don't think the coinky Dink would happen like no, that no. between um, spies. So we get a little uh, bumper scene at the end where we get Malik and his daughter and we learn that... uh, And so she's being introduced into the storyline and Malik says to her that... um, And she very
1: much looks like a hard-ass not to be trifled with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And he he mentions... uh, Malik mentions to her that... um, that uh zombie ward is still gathering himself but so basically it's it's a reminder to us that all this other shit's going on mm, yeah. and this is probably i would imagine where we're going in the next episode
1: that's something that the show is great at like um if a thread has been ignored for an episode they like to just like loop it back in at
0: the end don't forget don't forget about the girl in the in on. the flower dress yeah you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rayna, that's her name.
1: Exactly. Like, there's always this stuff going on. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, They've always got a little and, bit of extra, And
1: it's it's like a nod to the audience. Don't worry, we haven't forgotten yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. that
1: this is going on. And that's on. nice.
0: It, that, that's the cake and eat it way that they finish these episodes. Yeah. And, the, and the movies do, of course, as well, the post-credits Absolutely. scenes. Yeah. You get to have the big emotional climax of the episode, but you also get the don't forget to tune in next week kind of thing. 100%. Speaking of which, Hannah, look it up. Um, I
1: am doing just that right um,
0: now. So, uh, so yes, um, please do go over to wearepodsyndicate.com and check out all of the other shows over there. And um, we really are enjoying the feedback that we've been getting, so please send us yes, more of that. 100% um,
1: keep it coming.
0: At rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail.com or alternatively go and see what we're doing on Instagram at rewatchproj or on Twitter at also at rewatch podge and we would also appreciate apple podcast reviews so uh go and do that for us that would be just capital what are we talking about next time hannah uh
1: so the next episode is called watchdogs the plot says agent mac and his brother step in when a radical group called the watchdogs plan to eliminate the human humans simmons finds a powerful chemical compound it is directed by jesse Botchko. And it is written by Diddler... Drew Greenberg. Oh, Buffy writer! Indeed,
0: solid. Bring cool. it on. All right. Well, we will be back to discuss that uh, presently. Goodbye, everybody.
1: Take care. <laughs> the pod syndicate family for more criminally compelling shows articles and conversations head to wearepodsyndicate.com